Oh, Amma! Language warning! Very adult content ahead. What troubles you, my child? Hello, sinners. Welcome to Confession Booth, where just by listening, you get to absolve your deepest, darkest, most disgusting, embarrassing, and surprisingly heartfelt secrets. I'm A.H. Cayley, and I'm really just in this for the red wine and the wafers. Lewis Hobber is a comedian, writer, and co-host of Triple J's drive show, Veronica and Lewis. In this episode... Let's just say he really strips himself bare. He really, really muscles down and releases all this tension. At least he tried to. Uh, Tonight I'm here to confess to you that I'm a coward. Some of you may think, but look at your narrow shoulders, bony hips and statement glasses. How could it be so? But it's true. And my yellow belly manifests itself in many ways. The most frustrating of which for me is extreme conflict avoidance. If I see an oncoming collision with another human being, emotional or physical, I start to duck and weave like a pacifist Muhammad Ali, floating like a butterfly and trying to avoid um, stinging anyone. Because like a bee, then I know I'll die. There are some benefits to being a coward. I make an excellent member of a queue. I don't like to queue, but once I'm in it, I respect the law of the land. No cutting, no frontsies, backsies. I'm a man of the old school. When people cut in front of me, I don't say anything. Instead, I conjure up a variety of reasons why this person may have a perfectly valid reason to have pushed in front of me. You know, maybe they were in the queue previously and saw a pram rolling across a busy road and ran over to heroically save a baby's life. And now they were coming back to reclaim their rightful place in what is their queue. And it would be pretty embarrassing for me if that were true. Better keep my mouth shut. Now, sometimes I try to play this off as politeness, but if I'm being honest with you and myself, it's not. It's cowardice. Now, I I know avoiding conflict doesn't work in the long term. I know that ignoring a problem doesn't make it stop. It just makes it worse. And that's exactly what happened to me on the day of the ill-fated handjob. A few years ago, I was having a particularly stressful time, and I needed a massage to unwind. Presumably, freelancing three days a week and re-watching my X-Files box set had been particularly gruelling that week. A friend who lived on my street recommended a place just around the corner from my house. He told me he went there all the time. Magic hands, he said. Now, at this point, some of you will be jumping ahead. Hand job, massage, I think I see where this is going. Yeah, you're right, it's very obvious to everyone what's going on here. But you know who it wasn't obvious to? This guy. But it should have been, because uh, it was really... uh, No, it should have been, and it was only the strength of my desire to avoid conflict that kept me from saving myself before it was too late. In fact, from now on, every time the Lewis in this story overlooks a clue as to what we all know is about to happen, because he's hoping the problem will go away on its own, um, I'm going to ring an imaginary bell. I was going to ring a real bell, but someone stole it from work. So I'm just going to go, ding! In fact, if you think you spot a clue that I've missed, feel free to ding along. I walked into the massage parlour 150 metres from my house and the doorbell rang. Ding! Not a clue, just a sound effect. (laughs) You're welcome. A woman around 45 years old wearing shorts and a jumper emerged from a back room and asked if she could help me. Sure, I said, and I asked for a 30-minute massage. $45, she said, and put out her hand. Oh, Money up front. How odd. Ding! 
She asked me what kind of massage I would like. Neck and shoulder, I replied. She ushered me into a cubicle behind a curtain and told me to take off all of my clothes. Well done, all of you are winners. Uh, now, in my defence for the nudity, actually, specifically, I still never know the clothing levels expected for different kinds of massage. Some are partially disrobed, some are fully clothed. Admittedly, this was my first fully naked request, but I assumed it was just my ignorance of this masseuse's specific style and tradition. Looking around, I saw the inside of the cubicle, and it was dimly lit by a single light attached to the wall in the shape of a clam. The clam was red. The light was red. Ding! The phrase red light district crossed my mind momentarily, but this was a family area on a tree-lined street in a busy suburb. Right next door was a quaint fruit shop where everyone knew the owner's name. If I'd yelled out right, really, ding for the fruit shop? How many of you are getting fucking jacked off in a fruit shop? No ding, undo the ding. No, I love your enthusiasm. Uh, yeah, right next to was this quaint fruit shop where everyone knew the owner's name. If I'd yelled out his name right then, he'd have been able to hear me through the wall. So I put the red light out of my mind, and I waited in the nude for a stranger to fix my neck. The woman walked back in, closed the curtain, and without any discussion of our names or my past and persistent injuries, she got to work on my calves. <laughs> Some would say, that's an odd place to start for a neck injury. Sounds like a ding! But my brain was working so hard to conjure up any alternatives to the reality of this situation. Uh, I just put it down to her expert knowledge of referral muscles. Like, I guess the neck and calves are interconnected in ways only this genius masseuse could specifically understand. The massage itself was extraordinarily painful. I was prodded and pinched. My spine was ground by Aaron Elbows. And the problem areas I'd walked in with were almost willfully ignored. <laughs> but towards the end of the half hour, another part of the dance began. She started walking around the table, gently brushing her legs against my arms. I thought, my arms must be getting in the way of her legs. And I tucked them in. <laughs> this is when she spoke for the first time since we'd begun. Is it too hot for you? She said. I can turn on the fan if you like. I'm fine, I said stoically. Okay, she replied, must just be me. And she took off her jumper to reveal a black singlet. I guess it is a bit hot, I admitted, and I'm not the one doing the hard work. Fair play, nothing strange about taking off her clothes in this climate. Ding! Then she climbed onto my back and rhythmically dug in her elbows and knees, gently flicking her head back and forth so that with every new spinal plunge, the ends of her hair lightly caressed the tops of my shoulders. It was doing nothing for my twinge, but it was an undeniably enjoyable sensation. Still perched on top of me, she now executed a smooth pivot move. Her feet were now tucked over my shoulders, and her head was facing my feet. And she began to run her hands down my back and over my buttocks. Makes sense, I thought. Plenty of stress held in the buttocks. <laughs> but then she moved her hands back up my thighs, towards my buttocks, and one hand, very gently, very slightly, almost infinitesimally, grazed my right testicle. <laughs> Ding! Probably an accident, I thought. Could happen to anyone. 
Her hands went back down my buttocks, and again, on the way back up, the fingertip flicked the outer limits of my ball, this time with a bit more pressure. Say something, I thought to myself. This is not how you fix a sore neck. (laughs) No, the coward in me replied. Ignore it. Imagine how embarrassing you'll make this situation if you ask her not to touch your testicles, and it really was just an accident, and she doesn't know what you're talking about. Good point, other me thought. I decided to let it slide. This pattern continued, her hands sliding down and on the way back, making contact with more and more of my exposed junk, which was squished awkwardly down onto the massage table underneath my own body weight. Suddenly she asked me, how old are you? 27, I replied. She laughed. Ha! I'm old enough to be your mother. And with that, with that comment, very subtly, very casually, ran her fingers down the small of my back, down through the middle of my ass cheeks, over my balls, grabbed my penis and said, would you like to turn over? It'll be an extra $20. (laughs) That was the moment I finally thought to myself, I think she's giving me some kind of signal. I'd waited for this situation to resolve itself without conflict, and now a woman I'd paid to touch my neck was holding my half-erect penis in her hand and looking into my eyes for an answer. So I mustered up all my courage to confront the situation head-on. No, I would say. I appreciate the kind offer, my lady, but I don't really want to pay a stranger to give me a handjob just two metres away from a lovely grocer who I buy my milk from twice a week. I didn't say that, though. I froze and barely managed to spit out the words, I don't have $20. (laughs) It wasn't courageous, but it was effective. She shrugged and released my penis. I quickly put on my pants and ran away, angry, oily and embarrassed. I was annoyed at my own cowardice, as usual, but I was also furious at my friend who deliberately sent me to a massage parlour that was obviously a wank palace. I wondered for a long time whether he just didn't know they offered that service, or if he knew full well and also knew exactly how uncomfortable that situation would make me specifically, and that was exactly why he sent me there. I'm pretty sure it's the latter, but to find out, I'd have to confront him. So I guess I'll never know. Lewis Hopper there at Good God Small Club. And if you know where Lewis's bell went, please return it to the ABC. We do not have the money to stay. That's all for now, and that's all for a little while. This is the end of our first season of Confession Booth, and we've got a second one coming up soon. So make sure you subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, and your favourite podcasting app. Thank you so much for joining us on our first season. I'm A.H. Cayley. I'll see you next time. 